So I'm already all tender this morning, just from the worship, and I don't know. I'm all tender. I've been prepping all week and feeling everything, and but so I'm already there. I'm already tender and emotional. So I'll get through this. I'll get through it. And also, the subject this morning is kind of near and dear to me. But I want us to see Jesus this morning. I want it to be about Jesus this morning, and that's what we want it to be about. I want to be about him and what he's done and what he's completed for us this morning. Most of you know we're in a series on salvation. Hang on. It's been great. It's been a good series of us just um, reminded of who we are in Christ, what we have, what Jesus has done for us. And I don't know about you, but it's been a good reminder for me. I've needed it. I always need it. Uh, just to be reminded of all that Jesus has done for us at salvation. And this morning, I want to talk on identity. I want to talk on our identity in Christ. Because, like I said, it's a subject that's near and dear to me. I think it's a big issue in our culture, is people um, not necessarily knowing who they are and struggling to find their worth and their identity. I think it's even rampant in the church, uh, which is sad, because that's not how God wants us to live. But it's also such an important part of what we receive at salvation. Whether we walk fully in it or not, at salvation we get identity in Jesus. We get lots of things at salvation, and that's one of the things we get. We're brought into a family. We're sons and daughters. We're given purpose. We're given, we're chosen. We're loved. We're accepted. All these things we're given at salvation. We just don't always walk in it, right? We don't always walk in it. We don't always have revelation of it. And so it's a journey of us learning. But we have it. And so I want to say it's a, it's a real issue in our culture. Um, people reacting to things that happen, reacting to things around them. I think we find our worth and our value in so many different things. I think we find it in our successes and our failures. We find it in what we do, right? Our hobbies, our gifts, our jobs. It's all normal, but to some extent it can be not helpful if it becomes too much of what defines us. Um, I see it in, you know... Our kids, I see it in myself, I'm, I'm this, I'm a soccer player, that's what defines me. I'm, you know, I'm a pastor, I'm a businessman, I'm a doctor, I'm this or that. But I think when we have real freedom is when we're not so defined by these things. And we can actually just run and enjoy and do the things we do where it's not attached to our worth so much, right? That's what real freedom looks like. And so I would say we find our identity and what we do. And then when we, when we do that, we, we, we hold on to it tightly. It becomes something we just hang on to so tightly that you can't pry our fingers off of it because this is so much of who I am. I need this. I need this. But that's also not freedom. Sometimes we allow the past to define us. A lot of us allow the past to define us at some point in the, or another in our lives. The things that happen to us, we embrace those as who we are. We embrace them, and we keep going back to them. And we sometimes want to wallow in them. Sometimes it feels good, right? It does. It feels good sometimes. And so we need to deal with those things and face them, but then we need to realize that Jesus dealt with them on the cross. He dealt with the past on the cross. We died with him. We're made new. It's done. It's done, and we're new. We're a new creation in him. And so he gives us a new way to walk 
in forgiveness and in wholeness, whether we experience that all the time. He did that for us. We can have that. We can. And he can heal those things from us that we've gone through. But we sometimes let the past define us, our mistakes. We let that define us, but is dealt with at the cross. And I want to say there's nothing in our past that is too big for God to have healed or dealt with. There's nothing. There's nothing. If he could forgive Paul for killing Christians, he can forgive us for anything that we've done. And then we need to hear that sometimes. Because sometimes we hold ourselves so accountable for the stuff that happened, and actually God doesn't. And so we need to have freedom this morning that Jesus doesn't hold those things against us. The things that happen. Things we've done. We also allow people and circumstances. This is a big one for me. We allow the things that happen. Um, sorry, I've got to get my thoughts. We have offenses and hurts. I'm really sensitive, like, and tender. And I feel everything. Poor you, right? <laughs> I feel everything. I get hurt really easily. Poor you. <laughs> uh, but we can, but if we're not careful, we can carry around hurt and disappointment and offense. And we can carry it in our hearts. And we can even have it be hidden because we can kind of mask it. But before you know it, we make decisions from that place of this hidden hurt, these hidden letdowns, these hidden things. And God doesn't want us to live like that. He doesn't want us to carry around hurt and offense. He makes us free. He wants us to live healed. And he can heal us. But we carry those things. I carry them. I know that. But you see, when we carry those things, they define us. They define you. Whether you want them to or not, they define you. Then we are this person who's hurt and who's, you know, got these hidden things. Instead of Letting God heal those things in our hearts, letting him deal with those things in our hearts, which takes courage. It takes a lot of courage. It's hard. But God does want to do that. He doesn't want us to be so affected by the junk around us, right? And this is what God's been saying to me. So I'm just sharing, pouring out my heart of what God's saying to me. He doesn't want us to be so affected by that stuff. He wants us to be secure in who we are in him. Not perfect. This is not about a, trying to achieve perfection just dealing with those things. I grew up sheltered and isolated. I'll tell you a little bit about me. So I grew up really sheltered. I was homeschooled, small town, isolated in like small church community where most of the Christians were very afraid of the world. I don't know if you guys have experienced that. I've only now since we've planted. I, I mean, I can't imagine that it's taken me this long to figure this out. Jesus wasn't afraid of the world. He wasn't afraid of the world. How many Christians are afraid of the world? I'll just protect my family and my children and make sure nothing happens to us and we'll hide away and, you know, we'll stay in our little church huddle and, and everything's in homeschool. <laughs> you know, that's not why everybody homeschools, but some people do. And I'm going to do all these things. And that's what I, you know, that's kind of how I grew up, isolated like that. And so I'm telling you all this to tell you, if I can find where I'm at, I had a lot of lies. I had... I had experienced so, I had all these lies. I was bombarded with lies about everything. Because when you're afraid of things, you know, you're usually filled with a lot of lies about people and about life. So I, had, I was bombarded with lies, bombarded in my mind. So just even being able to overcome some of those things and send my kids to public school, for instance, these are huge victories in my life. You might not relate to any of that, but for me, those are huge victories. Um, to be able to just be in community it's huge. Those are huge things, huge things that God 
brought me out of. And so I tell you this to say, it has to do with identity. When I was going through this and I was facing some of these lies that I believed and they were being kind of stripped away and uprooted, that I, I struggled with my identity because so much of who I was was built on those things. And when you kind of get shaken where a lot of what you believe is not true anymore, you struggle with identity. Who am I? What, what, who am I? I can't live like this anymore. So who am I? So that was kind of why I had some of the identity crises I did um, when I was younger. And also part of being sheltered is you kind of become a little bit idealistic. And so then when you're in a church community and things happen and people do stuff, it really, really hurts you. And maybe some of you can relate to that. So being idealistic, you can see the insincerity. And this goes for everybody. We see the insincerity. We see hypocrisy. We see people don't always treat you the way you think. The, uh, things are unfair. We deal with that with uh, Liam. He, he's here, so I'm not going to embarrass him. But sometimes, you know, things aren't fair. At school, things aren't fair. And that's hard. And so then before you know it, you're, you're really carrying around a lot of hurt and a lot of anger and a lot of frustration at things. And I think that those things can change us. Those things can change us. And that's my story about, you know, God wanting us to be secure he wants us, see, it's not just about being yourself. Sometimes we think, well, I'm just going to be who I am. But that's not. Because sometimes who we are is not actually who Christ made us. It's because we're carrying around this stuff. And God has so much more. So we can't just say, I'm going to be who I am. Because sometimes we have this stuff. And maybe my story is more extreme. But I'm convinced that everybody deals with identity. God wants to heal people of identity. And so today, that was kind of the intro. So today I want to address the big question of identity. The question that everybody asks themselves, who am I? Who am I? And we spend a lot of time asking that question, or people do. But I want to propose that instead of saying, who am I? Our question should be, Lord, who are you? Who are you? Instead of who am I? Who are you? Because only in knowing Jesus and revelation of who Jesus is, what he's done for us, what he's accomplished. We sing that song, Living Hope. What he's all done. That's when we find our identity. That's when we find who we are in Christ, because of Christ, because of what he's accomplished. So instead of asking, who am I, which everybody's obsessed with, we want to say, Lord, who are you, Jesus? Who are you, Jesus? Show me who you are. I don't want to be self-obsessed and self-focused. I want to know who you are, because then I'll know who I am, a child of God, a son and a daughter of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. That's when we find our security, is in knowing Jesus more. And I want to say we all need an encounter with Jesus, not just the one-time encounter. We all need to encounter Jesus. It's the only thing that changes anybody. In the Bible, Paul, again, on the, was on his way killing Christians, he had an encounter with Jesus. He was never the same. You guys know the story. His name was changed from Saul to Paul. He was on a totally different path, purpose, mission. He was completely changed, not recognizable. That's what happens when we encounter Jesus. We're not the same. We need to encounter Jesus in our homes, in our room, in our worship at home. We need to encounter Jesus because he's the only one who can change us. Jesus takes insecure, weak, broken people, and he sets them on a rock. 
He sets him on a rock and we're firm on him and he makes us strong in him, not in ourselves. Am I the only one that feels this way sometimes? <laughs> no? Okay, good. Everyone can relate. So he doesn't make us strong in ourselves. I just went and saw a ballet nutcracker movie. It's terrible. Don't see that movie. It's terrible. Anyway, I almost fell asleep. I did fall asleep in The Grinch, but that was for a different reason. But I went to the, the Nutcracker movie, and the whole message was at the end, uh, look within yourself. You're going to find everything you need within yourself. But that's the world's message, and guys, that's not God's message. Everything we need is in him. You look in yourself, and we see not good stuff. We look at him, and that's where we get everything we need, where we get our power, where we get our strength, where we get our purpose, where we get our identity. Everything is in Jesus. So don't listen to the lies of the world that are everywhere around us. Look within yourself, and it's in you, and your strength, and you need to be strong. Find it all in Jesus. That's how Jesus wants us to live. That's how he wants us to live. On a side note, I was talking to a woman this week, and she told me her daughter has a tattoo. I don't know what anime is. Does anyone know what anime is? Yeah, well, these guys know what anime is. So anyway, this is a strange new thing for me. So she was telling me that her daughter has a tattoo of an anime character on her arm because it gives her confidence. I just did not know how to... I mean, I was like, a tattoo of an anime character gives her daughter confidence. The only thing I felt is so much sadness that people are that desperate for confidence and for security and to feel like there's somebody that you'd have it in a tattoo of anime, of all things. At least tattoo Jesus on your arm or somebody, somebody that's actually alive and real and can do something for you. But that's the world that we're in. That's the world that we're in. And we're God's kids. He wants us to be secure. He wants us to be secure. He wants us to be secure. We need an encounter with Jesus so that when we're done wrong and people treat us unfair and we face all the junk around us, it doesn't cause us to change who we are. It doesn't cause us to be hard, but being secure and having a pure heart. Having a pure heart means we're not carrying around all that stuff. Do you guys know what insecurity looks like? I don't know if I need to hit it. <laughs> I, I did talk about it some, but just it just looks like Jealousy, comparison, a feeling of left, like, like you're behind, and anxiety. We were talking about that this morning. Anxiety, like I'm behind. I should have been this far by now. I should have got married by now. I should have had kids by now. Maybe I shouldn't have married this person by now. I should have this job. I should have this degree. I should be this far. Ugh. I mean, doesn't that just like make you want to go to bed? Like, <laughs> it's exhausting. So that's some of what insecurity does. And it also makes us compare and compete and, you know, that's what insecurity does to us. But God wants us to be secure. And you see it even in people in ministry. They do the same thing. I should be in ministry. I should be leading a church by now. I should be this far. It's everywhere. And so God wants us to deal with those things and to be a people of rest and peace. And when we have that identity thing going on, and it causes us to live somewhat of a chaotic life just kind of jumping from thing to thing all the time, looking for something different, moving all the time, you know, finding something new all the time, instead of just be where God has placed us and just be who we're called to be where we are. And I think that that's, that's sometimes, you know, what, what the insecurity can look like. And God wants us to be secure. I said that now a few times. 
Okay, so now I want to talk on who is Jesus, because I've said we need to know who Jesus is to find identity. And we need revelation of Jesus. We can never know Jesus completely. We can never have full revelation of God. So as long as we can't, we might as well be asking him to show us more, right? Show us more of who he is. And so I firstly want to talk about the greatness of Jesus. The greatness of Jesus. I felt very weighty this week about how Jesus gets diminished in our culture and even in church and everywhere. And the devil's strategy is to diminish Jesus, to make him less than what God says that he really is. And remember, the devil's not all-powerful. He can't be everywhere at once. He doesn't have all authority. But what he can do is twist truth and lie, and he can make Jesus seem smaller than who he is. Maybe he can be Jesus just like an angel, because, you know, he's just an angel. Or maybe he's a good man. Or maybe he's like a baby Jesus in a manger, little baby Jesus, who had to hold back so much of his glory just to be on the earth. That's not the Jesus that we are talking about. Jesus is not those things. He's not a sweet baby Jesus in the manger. He's not a good man. He's God. He's God. And I'm passionate about this, so just know I'm passionate about this. When we encounter Jesus, we're not encountering baby Jesus. We're not encountering a good person. We're, the Bible tells us if we caught even a glimpse of the glory of Jesus, we'd fall over dead. Dead. That's, that's the Jesus that we're talking about. Not God, just Jesus. So I want to look at the beginning of Hebrews. The writer of Hebrews wanted us to know the greatness of God. He wanted us to know the greatness of Jesus specifically. Because back in the day, the Jewish Christians were being persecuted by the Jewish leaders because they were saying Jesus was a son of God. And the Jewish leaders were saying he's just like an angel. Because they had to explain Jesus somehow. How did he have power? How did he do the, He's just an angel. So they made him... So this is what the author of Hebrews was trying to say, the greatness of who Jesus is. And I put the verse up there for you guys to follow along. In the last days, God has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven, so he became as much superior to the angels as the name he inherited is superior to theirs. And there's eight things about Jesus in this passage that I want to share this morning because it's good for us to know what does the Bible say about who Jesus is. Firstly, Jesus is the last word from God to mankind. The last word. Jesus, before Jesus came, he spoke to Israel through the prophets and he gave them a revelation through the prophets. But then Jesus came. And now once Jesus came, we're in the last days. And then Jesus spoke to us through, or God spoke to us through Jesus. Not through Jesus speaking, through Jesus' whole life and his message. Through his whole life and his, is a message to us from God about Jesus, about, from God the Father, about who he is. So Jesus is God's last word to mankind. His whole person, he fulfills everything about what God was saying in the Old Testament. He's heir of all things, heir over everything. He rules over everything. Because Jesus was obedient to God and went to the cross, God gave him the greatest inheritance. He made him heir of everything. Everything in the whole universe, he's the heir of. That doesn't sound like baby Jesus in the manger, right? 
It doesn't sound like baby Jesus. He has all authority and rules over the whole universe. universe, Through whom also he made the universe. Thirdly, he's the creator of everything. God chose Jesus to create. Jesus was existing in Genesis, in the beginning. And God used, he chose to have Jesus be the creator of the universe. So Jesus is definitely not a good man. He's the creator of the universe, the whole universe. Fourthly, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Jesus is God. He's God. He's the radiance or the brightness of God's glory. He shines out God's glory like the radiation from the sun shines down to us. You can't separate them. He actually shows off all of God's glory. And so Jesus is an exact replica of God the Father. Exact replica. He's not less. He's just, he's the exact replica of God. When you know Jesus, you know the Father. When you know Jesus, you know you see the Father. You know God's heart. It's the same. It's as if God the Father died for us. It's as if God the Father did all of that for us. It's one and the same. I love number five because I often think that, oh, yeah, number five. I often think that uh, everything's going to fall apart. (laughs) But Jesus sustains all things by his powerful word. Jesus has to remind me. He's actually Lord. He's actually holding all things together. He's actually sustaining everything. He holds everything together. Without Jesus, the universe would fall apart. He holds everything together. Is that amazing? I mean, that's amazing to me. When I think, oh, my life's going to fall apart— Actually, Jesus is on the throne, and he's holding everything together. It's not all about me and what I'm going through. And then he's carrying everything to its destiny also. He's sustaining, upholding. That's amazing to me. I mean, I can't wrap my my mind around that. And I love it. It just shows the power of Jesus. It's the power. He's not meek. This is the power of Jesus. And sixth, after he had provided purification of sins, he's the savior of the whole world. I know you guys hear this one all the time. But he's the savior of the whole world. His death provided purification of the sins for everybody. Whether they receive it or not, sin was taken care of for the whole world by one man. By one man going to the cross. That's Jesus. And he sat down. That's what it goes on to say, which signifies that it was finished. The sitting down means I'm done. He finished the work, and it was once and done for all. He sat down saying his work was done. He completed the job that the Father set him to do, which was provide purification for sins. That means nothing we can ever do would help purify us or anybody from sin, ever, because Jesus did it, and it's done, and it's finished. I mean, that's amazing. I know you guys know this stuff, but it's so good to... Let, like, hear it again as we're going through salvation. And he sat down at the right hand of the Father in heaven. So he's seated in heaven in high places. He's the exalted king of the universe on his throne, everything under his feet. He's authority over everything. He's the king of the universe. So that's who Jesus is. He's God, king of the universe, creator of everything, sustainer of everything, upholder of everything. He's God. And he's a savior of the whole world. So that's not an angel. It's not a man. That's who Jesus is. So we must never let let anyone diminish who Jesus is. And that's where we find our identity. That's where we find. That's where we see God is good. Because he sent Jesus. He's good. It's not a fluffy feeling that he's good. It's actually like, it's fact. Because he, what he did, he's good. 
We're loved and accepted. We're called and chosen by God. And just like Jesus, we have calling and purpose and inheritance on the earth. And I want to go to the next slide and show us just who we are because of Jesus, because of what he did, not because of anything we do, just all because of Jesus. We're accepted. We're children of God. We're called. We're chosen. We're no longer slaves to sin, no longer bound by sin. We're God's workmanship, his creation, his most prized possession, and we're one with Christ. All those things we have because of Jesus. That's who we are. When the devil attacks you about who you are, or people say stuff, or, you know, the thoughts and I, like people's opinions come and cling to us, this is who Jesus says that we are. Loved, accepted, chosen, called, his beloved, his most prized possession. So Jesus received his inheritance. He finished his work. He did what the God, what the, what the God, what the Father asked him to do. And he sat down and he got in his inheritance. But the same way we also have an inheritance. And we have an inheritance here on earth as well. I know Hugh preached on it so well that um, what we have at salvation, we're in Christ and Christ is in us. The things that we have at salvation but then we, we, there's things that we have to walk into. There's a purpose and there's the plan and a unique calling that God has for each of us, just like Jesus. And he wants us to walk into those things. He wants us to walk into more of what he has for us here on earth. We have inheritance here on this earth as well as in heaven. So it's not just saved and then wait to go to heaven one day. We're saved and now we have an inheritance to walk into. People that God wants us to share the love of him, his love with things to do here on earth. You guys okay? Okay. <laughs> um, I think I'm coming to a close. When we know Jesus, we're secure in his love, and we're okay with who we are. We live with purpose, and we have a destiny. Jesus gives our life purpose. He gives our life value. He gives our life worth. He gives our life identity. Jesus does because of what he's done for us. And he's good. God is good. He has good things in store for us. And I felt like some of us today need to hear God has good things in store for your life. His plans are good. And he has good things for us. Because he loves us. So instead of asking this morning and in the future, Jesus, who am I? which I find myself asking sometimes. I would say Jesus is asking us, who am I to you? What's your revelation of me? Do you believe I am who I say that I am? Do you believe that I am these things? Do you believe I am God, that I am king of the universe, that I am on my throne, that I have all authority, that I hold everything together, that I saved you, that I, saved, that I am the savior of the world? Do you believe? Who do we say that he is? Because that's what defines how we live. That's what defines us. That's what defines the decisions we make is our revelation of Jesus. And we all can grow in our revelation of Jesus, everybody. We don't get to know him from a book. He's relational. We get to know him from intimacy with him, spending time with him. That's how we get to know God. That's how we get to know Jesus and how we know the Father. So I just want to 
pray for us this morning. I felt tender um, preparing. I just felt like uh, identity is such a, you know, such a sensitive subject. And I feel like, you know, hearts, disappointments, things that people say or do to us, those things stick on us. Like God, God doesn't want them to. He wants us to find our security in him and our identity. And he wants us to have rest. So I felt for people who um, want to be free of hurt and disappointment, not have those hidden things. And I also felt for people who feel they're behind, that anxiety that comes when you just never feel like, you know, you're where you should be. And I just think God wants to touch us this morning. So maybe not everyone, but if it's you, just receive. You guys can stand, or you can stay where you are. Why don't you stay where you are? And I'll just pray and then hand it over to you. Jesus, just thank you for this morning, God. Thank you, God, just for being here with us, God. Lord, we just come and we, we, we have frailties and we have weakness, God, and we have insecurities and we have our hurts, Lord, and our disappointments, areas, Lord, where we've just lost trust or, or become hardened, Father, from things that we've seen. And Father, I just pray now, Lord, that you would just minister to your people this morning, God. Minister to us this morning, Lord. I pray even that you would reveal just whatever those things are, God, in our hearts sometimes that are there and we don't know about them. I pray you just reveal them, Lord. Bring them to light now. And Father, I pray you begin to just heal those hearts, Lord. I pray you begin to heal those areas, God, where we've become hardened by the world or things around us, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, thank you for who you are, God. I pray that you would just help us to see you fresh and anew this morning, God. Help us to see you as exalted on your throne, Lord, powerful, mighty, loving creator you are. And Lord, that we would have peace. I just ask for your peace to come to your people, God. Where there's striving, where there's anxiety, Lord, where we where we feel like behind sometimes. God, I just pray that you would bring rest and silence that in the name of Jesus. You would silence those things, God. We know nothing good can come from that place. And I pray, God, that we would just feel your embrace this morning. Where we feel your embrace, that people here would feel your embrace, Lord. That you want us to be at rest and you want us to be at peace, Lord. And to know your great love for us, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God.